Today, the hot sauce is here on episode 323. Could you be more healthy if only you ate more salads, or you went to the gym more, or you never needed to go to the supermarket, or chocolate wasn't so cheap? Changing our behavior is hard work, and actually, I want to tell you all the reasons it's actually not your fault. However, I've also got a small dose of responsibility that you and I both need to take on to fix the seemingly broken society that we live in. Oh, and if you're a fan of Lizzo or anyone that promotes obesity as a great idea, then this episode might just hit your trigger button. (laughs) Oops. (laughs) All right, let's get into how long-term successful behavior change actually happens. And no, it's not just the secret of more motivation. All right, let's get into it. Welcome to the How to Not Get Sick and Die podcast. You've tuned in because you want to start taking your health seriously, so you don't, well, get sick and die. Here we talk all things health, nutrition, and human optimization. Let's jump into it with your host and resident scientist, Maddie Lansdowne. Hey, what's up, my healthy friends? Welcome back to another episode of the show. As you may or may not know, trying to be healthy is extremely difficult. We've got a situation where there's more health and wellness news on the planet than there ever has been as before, like in all of human history. And so that presents a conundrum because it's like, well, why are we so unhealthy? Why with all the science, medicine and, you know, wellness gurus and podcasters and um, other people out there that are trying to help everybody change their lives and get healthy? And not only that, but you, why are you the listener, the consumer of all of this data and news and research and information? Why are you still struggling? And most people that I work with are in a situation where they know loads of stuff. You are probably a researcher and just like all of the clients I've ever worked with. But as we know, research and information collection is but a small factor in the process of actually making significant change. And so in 2024, it's my mission to coach 500 people to get control of their sugar cravings and sugar binges so they can stop yo-yo dieting, stop obsessing about food and finally create a body that they feel confident being in. And the operative word in all of that is coach. Because all of the information in the world won't necessarily mean that you change. And that's what I was just trying to prove with the idea that you've consumed lots of information, you know, heaps of stuff, you listen to all the podcasts and all the bits and pieces, but you're still in a situation where you're like, I know what to do. But the big question is, why don't I do it yet? Or why don't I do it at all? Or why do I fail to keep doing it? Why do I not do what is good for me? despite all of the knowledge that I have in my head about what is good for me. And the truth is, there's actually loads of reasons. And believe it or not, most of them aren't your fault. They aren't actually your fault. However, we're sold this idea that we're going to beat ourselves up and that we're weak and pathetic and all of this stuff in order to be able to somehow motivate ourselves from a negative place of self-savagery and self-horribleness and being mean to ourselves and feeling like shit. Like how from there do we expect to feel empowered, right? And sure, there's different moments where we're beaten down by life or society or our own thoughts and we say, right, fuck it, I'm going to change this narrative. But most of the time, negative self-talk and negative horribleness leads to more negative reality. Most of the time, not always, most of the time, unless you're David Goggins, but (laughs) not many of us can be psychopathic people like he can. (laughs) Conversation for another day. I definitely use David Goggins to get myself G'd up sometimes. However, it's not always a great tool. Anyway, there's a couple of layers to what's going on here in regards to trying to figure out our behavior change and how to successfully change behavior over the long term. And as I said, a lot of it is not your fault. However, 
don't mistake that for having a lack of responsibility. Because sure, lots of things in our life aren't our fault, but if we don't take responsibility for one, our part in it, or two, our unconscious involvement in it, what I mean by that is just doing what we're expected to be doing or behaving in a certain way just because it's expected of you or automatically going about life because you just that's the way you were raised. And so by default, you're just copying your parents and what you did when you were younger. You've got to take responsibility for all of that, you know? And it might be a little difficult to take responsibility of it because when you look out the front door and look at other people, you don't see other people taking responsibility for it or changing. And so it can be really difficult to actually be the one that does that. And so that's why, you know, the reality is that most of healthcare is actually self-care. In order to have the best results with your health and wellness, you need to take responsibility. You need to self-care. You need to worry about self-health, right? Don't worry about going to get it from somebody else or that somebody else is going to do it for you. The PT is not going to lift the weight, right? The doctor is not going to eat the healthy food. The nutritionist is not going to eat the healthy food for you. However, once we realize that healthcare is self-care, then we can actually take responsibility for all of the areas of our life in which we are becoming or being or embodying poor health, right? And like I said, most of it's not your fault. And that's why the purpose of this episode is to open up your eyes and reality to the unconscious stuff that is going on in your life or the, the stuff that's happening that programs your unconscious mind to continue failing or to continue eating or to continue harming yourself in whatever way that might be with food, with alcohol, with drugs, because the world we are in is not set up for success in a healthy way. And there's a lot of reasons for that. All right. I want to talk to you about three specific categories of why it's so difficult to permanently change your behavior. And sure, you can do it for a little while with willpower, but the permanent change is difficult. And I say that as someone who equally feels challenged by this modern world um, when it comes to health, wellness, and eating well. You know, I feel that too. And these three levels, though, that I want to talk about specifically that we're all involved in, me too, is community, environment, and you. That's the three levels. Think of it as a little pyramid, you know, with community at the bottom, environment in the middle, and you at the top in the, the highest point, but the smallest um, section. And the you section is made up of a combination of desire and knowledge. Now, the first thing that we need to identify is that we are in an era of human history where instant gratification is a thing. And it's so a thing that most people can't go five minutes without looking at their phone and unconsciously flicking through their phone. And when they don't have their phone, they're sitting in front of Netflix. And when they're not sitting in front of Netflix, they're putting food in their face. And usually that food is high refined carb sugar type food that will stimulate pleasure and dopamine. And actually, most people are doing all of those things all at once. Netflix, phone, eating terrible food. And so we've programmed a very susceptible brain and group of people on this earth uh, in a very particular way. Like we've all been groomed. We've been groomed by very large companies to get into this world of instant gratification. This doesn't mean instant gratification wasn't a thing thousands of years ago. We had the same brains then that we do now. The difference is that back then, there wasn't anything around to really give us instant gratification. It wasn't instant. Gratification had to be earned as a result of hunting or a result of more traditional courting and mating strategies, right? And dating strategies that meant that intimacy and sexual interaction wasn't as readily available as going straight to your phone or the internet and just typing in porn and <laughs> diving into that world. Or, you know, these days, you can just jump on a dating app and that's basically instant gratification and you never know who's going to rock up on your doorstep. But the point is that we had these brains back then. 
but we didn't have access, right? And so these companies all over the world have hacked this system. So it's very important to understand that you are wired for instant gratification and that much of the world is designed against you, right? What that means is that, that you have to accept that there are parts of yourself that you are going to compete against and that you're going to disagree with and that you're going to feel misled by. And also as part of that instant gratification is that you need to accept where you are now. And that truth for some people might be that you're lazy and not very strong. And I say that in comparison to the alternative meaning that the alternative takes more energy, it's less pleasure, there's a greater distance between you and the gratification. It's not so instant anymore. And so you might need to s- surrender to the fact that, you know what? I, my life has led me to this point where I'm lazy and not very strong. And so I've got to start really small. And I would say that's all of us. That's why I talk about one tweak a week, right? That's not an insult. I include myself in being susceptible and lazy and weak to all of this kind of stuff. Um, you know, and so I'm also primed for instant gratification. However, Again, not your fault because a lot of the community and the environment is geared against this. And I want to start with number one being the community, okay? By community, I mean being a part of the country or the the local town or the society or the sports team or any way that you engage with your community, even just your group of friends, that kind of thing. Remember, we are pack animals. We're just super fancy gorillas, basically. (laughs) And behavior change that actually affects you starts by there being one person in a community that holds a set of values and that is viewed as being superior or powerful or amazing. And they do that thing consistently. And then others around them follow or mimic that person. And that is the nature of us being hierarchical beings. And sure, the idea that we're all equal and we're all worthy of all of the things and whatever. Yep, that's a nice idea. And I agree with that on face-to-face value. However, the way that we operate as biological human beings is that we are in a pack and we are in a hierarchy. And actually, all biological organisms that we know of operate in this same way. The plants in the garden operate this way. The bugs and bees and um, crabs and you know all of the animals basically operate in this, this hierarchical idea that there's a top dog, right? And that top dog sets the standard. And now there are lots of little hierarchies inbuilt in the overall hierarchy. And if we think about it, and I'm going to, you know, people might disagree with this example, but if we think about, you know, the king of England is basically the top of the hierarchy, and then everybody is beneath that. However, there's heaps of little hierarchies. There's governments, there's local councils, there's family structures in each of all of our families, of which there's usually a leader built in. There's sport clubs of which there's a a leader built in. There's people that like, you know, chess, and then there's people that like collecting handbags, you know, and there's probably an influencer or somebody in that community that you follow that you look up to as someone that you would like to be like. Now, this is why it's really important, because our community should represent the world that we want to be a part of. And this is going to be a controversial statement. And maybe you'll send me some hate mail. But this is one of the problems when we have overweight, and unhealthy and disease ridden politicians or obese, famous people that promote that as a good idea because they're in a position of influence and dominance within the hierarchy. And what that means is that from a community standpoint, it sets a standard for all of us to follow, right? 
And some people always disagree with the hierarchy and some people always disagree with the standard and some people always disagree with the governance. But for the most part, from the leadership roles, and there were, this got around in um, you know, the COVID times, was images of the health ministers from all over the world. And there was, uh, I forget the number, but there was somewhere between 12 or 16 of them in this image that was sent around the world, health ministers from all of these different categories. And all of them were looking either obese or like they were on death's door because of how pale their skin was and terrible their skin was and their hair was. And, and you know, we'll excuse their terrible dress sense, but, you know, they are politicians. But my point is that when you put people in positions of leadership and influence in the hierarchy that do not embody healthy values, that trickles down to you and I, right? That influences everybody because everybody looks up the hierarchy for a point of reference. And a lot of the stuff that I'm talking about is going to be happening unconsciously. And what that then means is that this stuff starts bleeding into marketing and advertising. And we start seeing significantly overweight and unhealthy people in advertising and marketing. Now, do not get me wrong here. I am not fat shaming anybody, right? And I would argue that actually people like Lizzo being proud of her obesity and being proud all over social media and, you know, fully embodying that I'm a fat person, you know, good for you, Lizzo, but you are in a position of influence. And what that does to other people that are in bodies that are unhealthy, just because you accept the body doesn't mean it makes it healthy. You are worthy of love at any size. You are worthy of worth at any size. You are worthy of contribution at any size, but you are not healthy at every size. And that has real financial implications for you as an individual. It doesn't just have financial implications, but it actually then influences what you can do in your life because you're unhealthy. You're in an unhealthy body, right? And so when we've got Lizzo and other health ministers and other people in in the stratosphere that are up the influence chain, up the hierarchy chain, that are letting that bleed down into the system of all of us starting to say, oh, maybe I don't need to lose weight. Lizzo says it's fine. You know, Lizzo says I should be proud of my body. Sure, maybe you should be proud of your body. But also, guess what? You're going to have more hospital visits than the average person, more doctor visits, which uses more of the healthcare system, which limits your capacity to have a fulfilling life. And I'm not saying that overweight people can't have a fulfilling life. What I mean is that the life you could live, being able to climb the stairs, being able to wear clothes that you're not embarrassed to wear, could be far greater, right? And so having role models within the community that are masquerading themselves as healthy people, and I'm putting my quotation marks up in the air, that are actually not healthy people is a terrible form of influence over us trying to change our behavior. Because we look around for a point of reference. Remember, I said in the beginning that what we need is that one person in a society changes and bees consistent, and then everybody follows. And we've really seen that happen with the promotion on social media of being unhealthy, and the idea of healthy at every size. And I am yet to meet somebody that is in an overweight body that doesn't think that their life would be better if they got healthy. We can go into the whole skinny marketing and only having skinny and underweight models in advertising and marketing as well. Marketing and advertising should represent everybody so that everybody feels like they are a part of the community. However, championing and putting people in influence and leadership roles that should be promoting good, healthy lifestyles. And there's a debate over what good and healthy means. And sure, all of us nutritionists and doctors and whatever could probably argue on a podcast until the end of time over what healthy means. But I would argue there is a quite a clear consensus of what unhealthy is. 
and how unhealthy impacts you, your family, your community, your environment, and your hip pocket, right? And so this is one way in which it becomes extremely difficult to actually change your behavior, right? And is the community that we are in, in the modern world, and particularly in Australia, in the UK, in the US, and slowly infiltrating across the rest of the world, we have communities which do not hold us to health standards, which is, I would say, not okay, right? Not okay. Once upon a time, governments and communities wanted strong, healthy people, so they had strong, healthy armies. And maybe you could say, Maddie, it's great that Australia is not going to war right now. <laughs> you could also argue that it's the beginning of the end of you know, the Western Empire which we are all privileged to be a part of in the sense that we get access to this free, amazing abundance and healthcare and all of the things, right? Anyway, I could go down a massive history, political, economic rabbit hole. (laughs) Point is, we want to find people in our community that are promoting these types of healthy behaviors and and move away from celebrating disease statuses or pre-disease statuses as being something we should aspire to be or accept, right? This doesn't mean, again, this doesn't mean you're not worthy of love and attention and care and support. I work with these people every day and I would argue that every single one of them would say that I'm loving, caring, supportive and promoting of self-acceptance in every possible way. But I want to acknowledge the greater ecosystem that negatively influences your attempt to get healthy. And one of the challenges, because most behavior change models and ideas focus on the conscious is that they miss out on the deeply embedded drivers of our behavior, which is the unconscious. And this is where community is. Let's move to the next one. This is also where environment is. These, the community and the environment, it's in our unconscious. Like it shows up in an unconscious way. And the way that we talk about changing the environment is this idea of nudging. So let's think about ways that our environment influences us. So glass size as to how much beer at a pub ends up in a glass, plate size at restaurants and in your home, by the way, the way that menus are designed. You know, think about soap at uh, public toilets. If soap's not there, (laughs) you don't do it. And then you develop a behavior of not, not washing your hands, you know, hand sanitizer in hospitals. If it's not everywhere, people forget to do it every time they interact with a wound or 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 a patient or they're in the lab, right? Another one is supermarket layout. Supermarkets are strategically designed to get you to buy all of the yummy, delicious stuff that makes the most money. That's highly addictive and that's hard to say no to when you walk past it because you've been programmed over the course of your life from simply eating it, but also through the marketing, the advertising and all the things I've just mentioned that, hey, go on, treat yourself. You deserve it. Self-love is just making yourself feel good. And so chocolate or wine or any of those things are okay. And so by the time you get out the supermarket, You've managed to justify the decision quite easily most of the time. And a lot of the influence over that decision was not your fault, right? These systems are designed. These supermarkets are designed. The marketing is designed. Car parks are designed. Architecture is designed for you to flow and behave in a very particular way that you are unable to consciously recognize. You could stop and pause and analytically figure it out. And be like, oh, I'm going to figure out why these things happened. And once you know this stuff, you'll start looking at things differently. You'll be like, why is the 7-Eleven designed like this? Why is the McDonald's designed like this? Why is the supermarket designed like this? Why is the layout this way? You'll start analyzing it. And I want you to start analyzing it because one of the things we need to do is interrupt that. But the point is that all of these things, and I include social media apps because we spend hours and hours every day in that world, 
How are they designed? They're all designed to manipulate your behavior in the interest of income, right? Of economic growth for either the platform you're on or the product that they're trying to sell you. And that would be fine. I don't actually have a problem with capitalism. I think there's a few players in the game that might not be, you know, positively geared. But I don't think capitalism is the problem because we, we need to be incentivized. Again, we're hierarchical beings. Being incentivized or motivated in particular ways uh, that interplay with our psychology of status and, and preference and all of these different things is, is, is okay. I'm okay with that because we're not going to change it because we're humans. And when things go really bad, we often go back to our core evolutionary drivers. So they'll always be within us. However, what we need to do is obviously change these environments to produce situations where healthy outcomes happen by accident as a result of the environment, or that it just simply, we're in control of it. We can change our own environment and then society benefits as well. The community benefits as well because we've got healthier people that are more able, that take less sick days, that are stronger. They're literally able to lift heavier things. Their brains are working more clearly. But again, remember, this is a pyramid. The, the environment sits upon the community aspect and they, they, they feed one another, right? So in your own home, you were in control of the environment and we'll come back around as to how you can, you can do that. But you know, we've even got things online and channels that you subscribe to and Instagram people that you follow. That's all part of the environment that you choose and the community that you choose to be a part of. You're in control of that, right? And again, it's subconsciously unconsciously, subconsciously influencing you every single day, influencing your decisions, influencing your internal standards of what is okay and what is not okay for you. And again, if you surround yourself with an unhealthy world, you're going to believe that that's okay. And I've got an example of how people slip into that uh, a sentence that a mate said to me a couple of years ago now, but it was very pertinent as to how the environment around you negatively influences you without you even realizing it. So picture this, right? Unlocking your potential, conquering emotional eating, and gaining insights directly from a health and nutrition expert such as myself. That's what we do inside the Healthy Mums Collective Facebook group, which is currently free to join. If you've ever felt trapped by food challenges, struggled with maintaining a healthy lifestyle, or yearned for a community that understands the reasons why you've yo-yo dieted for years, then there's a new chapter waiting to be written. And this is your chance to start writing it by joining us all on Facebook Lives, on engaging posts that push you out of your comfort zone and into growth, and Q&A sessions with me. All of this works as a platform to begin changing your emotional eating problems for good. Oh, and also, as a special gift, you'll receive my transformative How to Turn Food into Self-Confidence ebook. And that's also for free. I get it. Skepticism might linger. You might think, Maddie, I've heard these ads and I'm not sure. Well, at least a quarter of the members inside the Healthy Mums Collective Facebook group have been paying clients of my emotional eating program at some point over the last three or four years. So if you're not sure, you can post in the group and ask to find out if I'm the real deal or not. It's totally up to you. To join us in the free Healthy Mums Collective and to end your emotional eating and feel good in your own skin and begin that journey, pop down to the show notes below, click the link and breeze through three simple entry questions. Join today and let's embark on a journey of growth and empowerment. The link is in the show notes below. All right, let's go on to the next layer. So the next layer is you. So this is the top of the pyramid. And sure, we could pull this apart and, and talk about it in very different ways. But the you is at the top. And the reason that it's at the top is because one, you are the biggest influence over all of what is beneath. But equally, the top section is the smallest. I actually think that environment and community has a lot to answer for. And so the you section is really important because all of us are you. 
we are all individuals and collectively we make up that community and we decide on the decisions that inform how the environment should be set up. So we need to take that seriously and, and be really intentional about how to do that. But also you as an individual in your own life, right? You need to create an environment where you within your own skin and within your own house and within your own family, which is the environment and the community, are actually motivated to do the work because the work is never easy. Even when systems weren't set up in this way, doing the work was never easy. It was just there were less options to not do the work, right? And so people did the work or the work was just naturally embedded into society. And so when you're thinking about you, remember, there are two parts to behavior change when it comes to you as a person. There's knowledge and then there's desire, right? And then beyond that, there's, of course, the tools, the resources, implementation strategies and stuff like that. But in order to get you motivated to actually change, not only do you have the knowledge and pretty much everybody here has the knowledge because they've been listening to my podcast for a long time or they've been listening to lots of podcasts or reading lots of books and you might have 50 self-help books on the shelf and still be like, why aren't I the person I want to be? There's a mixture here, all right, of the desire and the knowledge. And so that desire is also made up of a few other things, right? Of one, do you believe that you can control your reality? Because if you desire something, but you can't control your reality enough to get it, and you don't believe that you can do that, then you won't do it because it feels so far out of your control. The other thing is that do I have the skill set to do it? Right. And this is why lots of people sign up to programs or my programs to get the skill set, to develop the skill set. And the other thing is, do I have beliefs that the benefits are actually beneficial to me? And that sentence or that last, those last two words to me is probably the most important bit because not everybody thinks benefits are beneficial to them, basically. What I say is a benefit of the program that I run, you might not see as a benefit. Right. And let me give you an example. Some people don't see the benefit to having $10 million because some people have beliefs about that benefit that makes them evil. Money makes people evil, right? Only bad people have lots of money. Uh, and so that would result in them spending it all and going bankrupt. And then they're in the same boat when, from when they started. Now, the same thing can be talked about in regards to, let's, let's use weight loss. It's the easiest one, right? Which is that if I lose all of this weight, then I won't fit into my family. I've genuinely heard that from a number of clients over the years is that the thing that they identified is that as they start to lose weight, they get more attention from their family members that start judging them and picking on them, even in a playful or an affectionate way, but they feel singled out. They feel different. They no longer feel like they are a part of their community. So you need to believe that the benefit outweighs the cost, right? As an individual, you need to believe that the benefits are beneficial. And everybody thinks different things are beneficial and everybody thinks different things are not, you know, not good for them. They're an expense or they're a cost to their, their life experience. And whilst we can all generally agree on what that list would be, what you actually feel to be true within yourself is going to be very different to the next person. So it's very important that you have this within you to know that I've got to have the desire, but I've also got to have the knowledge. And then it's about obviously motivation, empowerment. However, most people don't last very long, right? Most people don't last very long in, in this process because they are negatively influenced by their community and their environment. Because once you get things external to your own mind, you have to engage with the environment and you have to engage with the community to do it, right? And I might be a part of that community and that might mean you need to engage with me or engaging with your environment might mean that you need to go to the supermarket. Damn it, the chocolate's at the supermarket, right? And in the community, I'm going to see Loads of people that I relate to and connect to that aren't embodying health values. So there's, there's a few things going on here. 
and you are an important part of it, but you are also an important part of shaping the environment and the community so that you can make behavior change for you much easier, much easier. Okay. So I want to talk about that right now. What can you do to influence your health outcomes? So we're going to start from the top of the pyramid, which is you. So the thing that you, you can do for you is you want to start doing identity change. And you're like, doing identity change? What is that? Well, seeing yourself as someone else, seeing yourself as somebody that can pick up health and wellness practices and be able to change your body and change how you look in the mirror and change the food that you eat and all of those things. And you, you don't want to go too big too soon, right? I'm all about one tweak a week. So you want to pick an idea or a value and just start doing one thing that means that that value shows up in your life by doing that thing. And it might be from now on, I'm no longer going to eat fast food. And that might be a new agreement with yourself that you want to embody. And that's just the one small thing. Or it might be that I'm not going to drink alcohol every single night of the week. Or it might be I'm going to sign up to a gym. Or it might be I'm going to get some friends that are healthy, right? And remember, as humans, we're meaning making machines. And what I mean by that is we give meaning to everything arguably too much meaning. And I'm, I'm someone who is a deep overthinker like you might be. And I often give way too much meaning to stuff myself, which means that I end up carrying a much heavier set of emotions around different things than I probably should. But I've kind of been this way my whole life and I've gotten much better at managing that. But in the instance of trying to help you with your health and start developing these new patterns of behavior and changing that is that we've got to give meaning to these new things that we want to do. We want to give meaning to the, the transition that we're about to make so that it's significant. It's really important. It means something to us to actually not drink the alcohol or not do the fast food or actually go to the gym. And that meaning is often influenced by community. And we'll get there in a second because there's very few people that are successful on their own in their own space, right? And so you can create lots of meaning, but you can talk yourself out of that meaning any day of the week, especially if you're by yourself, because no one's holding you accountable. You, you can't think perfectly all of the time. It's usually at the bottom of a packet of cookies that everybody thinks, I'm going to be so good tomorrow. I'm going to be fucking healthy. You've got all of the sugar and the wheat and all of the things in your blood, in your gut. And so that's the time where most people feel empowered is it's like, right, we're going to sort this out. Then you wake up tomorrow and guess who you're confronted by? you. <laughs> you are right there in the mirror staring yourself back and you repeat the cycle. So we've got to give meaning to other things. And we've got to be able to make that meaning significant enough that when we feel like the sugar, when we want to do the things, that the meaning that is given to not doing it is greater than the meaning that is given to doing it. I hope that made sense. <laughs> the other thing is that as humans, we only repeatedly do what we are rewarded for. And so Coaches often help people change that system of what we are rewarded for and what is a reward and versus what is a punishment. And right now, you might be in a state where McDonald's or pizza or wine or cheese might be the reward. You might go to the gym or do something great or have a great day. And the reward is, oh, I'm going to get myself a block of chocolate. I've totally earned this. Have you said that? Put your hand in the air if you've said that. <laughs> right now, I hope there are thousands of people all over the world putting their hand up. My hand is up right now. I have done that. So we need to rewire what those things mean to you. This is back to the meaning, right? Is that when you start getting in tune with your body and your health, you'll start realizing that when you put that stuff in, your body slows down. It doesn't feel as good. It feels sluggish. It feels wounded in some cases, depending on what kind of gut issues you've got or health issues you've got. And so you start changing the meaning that actually when you want to celebrate, maybe it's about going on a hike 
or going and have an experience. Go go-karting. That's one of the ones that I do now rather than, you know, sit in a pool of pizza, basically, is that I go go-karting or I might go hiking or jump out of a plane or something like that. And then maybe it's a healthy meal at a healthy restaurant, or maybe it's a cook-up with friends where, and cook-ups are naturally going to be healthier because you're at home, but they're also significantly healthier because the people I'm cooking with and me are into health and wellness, right? And so the reward is feeling deliciously good and amazing with good food and good company and good experiences. So that's for me, and that might be for you, is that now the reward, the thing that you're rewarding yourself for, whether it be you know, regularly showing up to your physical activity or whether it be eating really well or whether it be changing some of the stuff we're talking about today in the community or the environment is that you reward yourself in a way that actually means something different because we need to start giving negative meaning to filling yourself full of alcohol or filling yourself full of terrible food. And this is only for the people that want to change, by the way. I don't judge anybody that eats terrible food or drinks loads of wine. Like, I love wine. Red wine's great. (laughs) You know, this is only for the people that want it. I'm here to help those that want help, basically. And I do too. The coach needs a coach, right? I'm a big believer in that. So don't think I've got it all figured out. I'm a human too, susceptible to all of this stuff, which is why I understand it and know how to navigate it. Because I am in the trenches with you. The other final thing is to remember that you are a human. And humans are imperfect and we are all hijacked by fear on a regular basis. The fear of being different, the fear of not knowing who we are when we look in the mirror, the fear of changing too fast, the fear of failure, the fear of rejection from our community and our environment, right? And so being a part of communities that actually do embody the right health values allow you to normalize fear and understand that it is just part of the journey rather than being completely controlled by your emotions. And that's something that you need to want to change as well. You need to have the desire and the knowledge of how to change the way you engage with your emotions because healthy people aren't any less sad. I mean, statistically they are in the sense that people that put healthy food in have, have lower rates of depression and anxiety and they sleep better, you know, and it just, it's a self-perpetuating cycle of putting good food in means better mental health, better fuel, better sleep, better stress management. It's just, you know, it snowballs in the right direction, just as terrible food and alcohol and drugs snowball you negatively in the opposite direction. So. It's important to understand that we want to normalize and understand that uncomfortable emotions, depression, sadness, all of those kinds of things. And I had plenty of both of those in the last 12 months for myself. But I'm almost certain that if I was, you know, living on the standard Australian diet or the standard American diet, I would still be at the bottom of a pit of depression. And probably if I was in that world, I'd be on antidepressants by now and I'd just be stuck in the loop of the medical food system which is just making all of our lives terrible, basically. (laughs) Hence, I'm here on the How to Not Get Sick and Die podcast, trying to create an environment and a community that is actually geared towards what you want to be. Speaking of, let's go into the next one. What's the good stuff we can do about the community? Okay, so we're all a part of the community inherently. And so what you need to do is find a new group of friends or people who have shared desires. Remember, that's the important part of the you bit. Shared desires and therefore the values that are required for bettering yourself, right? joining a running group or joining a gym or joining a community and going towards people that look and feel like you too. And I bit by feel, I mean, you know, when you're around them, the way that you feel and the way that they feel is like that. Oh, we're similar kinds of people. We've got shared values. It doesn't mean go and hang out with the bodybuilders. Doesn't mean go and, you know, hang out with the ultra marathon runners. It means find your people, find your community, find your crowd and go and get involved. And you might be the creator. Remember in the beginning, I said, it takes one person to be the leader of the pack, one person to consistently change 
and shift. And maybe that's the person in your family. I like to think I was that person in my immediate family. But what it has meant is that I've watched some of my friends over the last few years that wanted to come with me. They have slowly changed and they ask me more questions over time. And, you know, they're more interested in health and wellness and fitness. My family, my mum and dad have made incredible changes. And I'm not taking the responsibility or ownership away from anyone. They were responsible for their own decisions and their own health. And it's tremendously amazing that they have made those decisions. But I was a part of their community, right? And so I was part of that, that group of people around them that they were able to ask a question of or look at. And then I had my own group of people, right? When I was beginning the journey, I had a group of people that I was like, oh, there's some people around here that I want to be like. You know, they're cool, they're healthy, they're well, they're successful. And I'm like, I wonder how they're doing that. And it actually just started for me um, simply in a relationship of somebody who'd done a lot of personal development and work and I admired as a partner. And I wanted to be more like her in, in many ways and, and, and able to show up in a better way for her. And that was my initial influence to like, oh, wow. And then I got into the business world and found lots of people you know, doing amazing things. And so my community kept changing, right? I would also say the messenger matters. The person delivering the information matters. And so what you need to do, and here's a little exercise for you, and I do this with some clients, open your TikTok, open your Instagram, open your YouTube, and unfollow Lizzo and anyone like Lizzo. Unfollow the people that are perpetuating a community for you that is not favorable of health, wellness, and ideal living in your eyes. If you think Lizzo is ideal living in your eyes, then follow her. Great. Equally, just like I said at the start of the podcast, I'm one, not fat shaming, and two, I'm not skinny celebrating. You might want to unfollow the ultra healthy people that are psychopathically healthy, that are orthorexic. There's an actual psychological term for it. They're orthorexic. They're obsessed with health. They're so skinny that you can see too many of their bones. You know, they look sickly. They don't look well because they're quote unquote, so healthy or so vegan, right? I would say unfollow people on both ends of the spectrum because it's not good to follow those people. You don't want those people in your community because they are constantly sending you unconscious messages. This is the whole point of this episode is that this stuff is unconscious. Either you're not fat enough in some instances. I mean, like the mukbang community, you know, there's documentaries and there's a whole world of stuff online about, you know, how being fat and gross is amazing. Equally, you might be made to feel that you're not skinny enough and you're not worthy enough and not all of these things. Unfollow those people. Follow people in your social media that support the idea of a healthy and well community, family, whatever that looks like to you. Okay. Unfollow the people that make you feel like shit, right? In general, we need to unfollow people whose lives where we seem to be entertained by and make our own life entertaining enough to want to follow ourselves, right? Also put boundaries in place with people, groups, organizations that do not help your health. Obviously, some of these things we, can, we can't change in the community, um, but you want to actually put boundaries in place with, I no longer go to this venue, for instance. I no longer meet people at the pub for a drink. You know, Instead, we go for a coffee and a walk. You know, That's a better decision. Okay, So start putting boundaries in place and little systems in place for you to engage with the community your community, your family, your friends, the shopping centers. You might even change the shopping centers that you go to, right? Start putting things in place to start engaging with and creating a community that has the right orientation in regards to health because this will have a huge influence on your behavior change. Okay, the next category is environment. So this is physically and practically what is in your environment. So for instance, most people have a spot in their pantry or their kitchen where all the junk lives. And this is more difficult if you've got people that are there. Move it. We, in my program, we call it junk trunk. Move the junk trunk to the garage. 
move it to an impractical place in your environment, right? This doesn't mean you won't still go and get food. We're trying to change the environment to alter your behavior. It might simply be, you know, if you've got terrible sleep, you've got to buy new curtains, get some block out curtains and command hook them to the windows. That's what I do, right? Rearrange the kitchen or your apartment, right? We want to change your environment. We want to shop somewhere different possibly. Or even if you know that you can't walk into a supermarket without getting something from the bakery or some kind of chocolate or some kind of alcohol or whatever it is, maybe in this day and age, you've got the ability to maybe buy online, order online, right? When you're full, by the way, maybe that's another thing you do with your environment is that you only engage with shopping after you've eaten. You might drive to work differently. You might start riding to work, okay? You might scope out where the riding tracks are near you and you might discover that there, there's some bike paths and some walking paths that you didn't even know about. And ask your boss, is there anywhere safe that I can secure my bike if it's not already obvious? And you might start changing the way that you transport yourself to work, right? Um, the other thing is you might break up with, and I know this is going to be difficult for you, but delete unhelpful apps. I do not have Messenger, Facebook, Instagram, or TikTok, or Snapchat on my phone. Occasionally, depending on who I need to communicate with and where I'm going, occasionally I'll download them and they sort of stay on my phone for a couple of hours to a day. But 95% of the time, those apps are not on my phone, which means I do not get stuck for hours on end, perpetually looking at the highlight reel of people's fake lives, right? Delete unhelpful apps or at least put an app blocker on. I use Freedom, highly recommend it. You might even need to move house. So I've got an example of this. A couple of years ago, couple more than a couple of years ago now, when I was working at the hospital, I used to live in a house in North Melbourne and there was a pizza shop right out the front. And I lived at this place for years and there's literally outside of the, my apartment window, there was this pizza shop and it was the cheapest, dirtiest, filthiest pizzas ever. But they were so good. They were like 10 bucks for a large. Like it was crazy. Back in those days, everybody that listening is like, oh, you can't find a pizza under $30 now in Australia, <laughs> right? Inflation, hey? But what that meant was that even when I had meals prepped and they were in the fridge and I'd done all of this cooking and amazing stuff, I would walk home from work and it was unavoidable to walk past this place. And then especially it was hot. We didn't have an air conditioner in this place. The windows were open, which they were most of the time because I'm a big believer in fresh air. The smell of pizza would come wafting in six nights a week. Six, six nights a week. And when I lived at this place, I just, I ate so much pizza. Because the other thing is that, that back then I, I could rationalize it financially too, right? Which is that, oh my God, it's only $10 for a large pizza. And when I eat one of these pizzas, I, it's, it's all I need to eat for the whole day, right? And so I was like 10 bucks for a feed, for a whole day feed. That's like three meals for 10 bucks. I'm doing that. And I just simply ate so much pizza. And again, it was my environment. The smell was manipulating my behavior. The advertising and marketing was manipulating my behavior. The price point was manipulating my behavior. And sure, there's no doubt that I as an individual could have fought against all of those things. But I truly believe that the community aspects and the environmental aspects are worthy of us acknowledging how incredibly devastatingly impactful they are on our ability to self-navigate our own desires and wants in regards to health. Most people do unhealthy stuff and then beat themselves up because they know they're meant to be stronger. They want better. They want different, right? And I think the environment and the community has a lot to answer for. And so I moved house. And guess what? My pizza consumption went through the floor. And not because I tried really hard, because it was just gone. The environment had changed. I couldn't, didn't smell it. I didn't see it. 
And then it went back to the usual sort of once every three months with a friend type situation, right? And so you might need to move house. It's a big thing, I know, but you could absolutely transform your life and add years to your life and lots of quality years to your life by moving away from highly accessible 24-hour access food, right? Because most of that is all in a bag, a box, or in a can, and it's really toxic and it's shit for you. You might only shop when you've eaten. You might only go to the shops, uh, to the supermarket, or to the market when you're full, when your stomach is full. You are far less likely to buy terrible food if you already have met your nutritional requirement and you are feeling satiated. You also, like I said before, might download app blockers or even ad blockers. So you stop seeing fast food ads or you might have to pay for YouTube. So you stop getting KFC ads like me. (laughs) The amount of KFC ads I get is fucking crazy, to be honest. Um, Anyway, that's one way to get around that stuff. Again, this is about changing your environment and you might not like the cost up front, but the cost in the end will be far better. And this is about changing your mindset about short-term gratification, instant gratification and long-term gratification. You might feel the pinch right now financially, but later in life, you're going to feel huge benefits, right? And you want to also embed reminders into your environment because it's very easy to forget that you've decided to be a healthy person, right? It's very easy to forget that you've joined a new program or that you've got these 10 new things to do because they aren't yet part of your automatic reaction to your environment or to your community. And so it's really easy to forget, you know, when you start something new and you might do it for a few days really intensely and then life happens and a week later, you're like, oh yeah, I totally started a new thing. So you want to embed reminders into your environment. That might mean leaving the weights out, leaving the supplements on the bench top of your kitchen, or you know, putting your yoga mat in the lounge room where you can see it all of the time. Um, stuff like that. Or even simply actual reminders, sticky notes on the visor of your car, or sticky notes or writing on the mirror of your bathroom, you know, so that you're constantly reminded. And this is good. These constant reminders are good because you are at a core level starting to change your belief systems if you are always seeing and thinking about these things. And we're slowly, very slowly on, a, on the subconscious, unconscious level, putting health and wellness into our thoughts, health and wellness, wellness into our thoughts. Of course, you might need help with a coach or a program to navigate all of the guilt that comes up when you don't actually act, right? You see these things all the time. You're just like, it just makes me feel guilty because I never do it. And that's where you might say, hey, have you met Maddie and his program? If you're interested in joining any of my programs, scroll to the show notes below and send me a message, send me the word program, and we will have a chat about that. Anyway, the final piece is you. And that is very much what I specialize in is helping you change all of the things we've just talked about, but also that internal motivation, that internal psychology, that internal mindset and way of being so that you can actually be a different person. I can provide you a community. I can help you change your environment and you right? So you might need to join a gym or join a program or start meditation and hypnosis, which helps you program you in a certain way. Rewire the good and bad that happens in your day to day. Because right now we all have good and bad that happens in our day to day. And we have different belief systems associated with that. And so we need to start rewiring what those things mean. Another thing is changing your state, the physical biology, the way that you experience work, travel, going to the gym, all of the things right now, If you're not in a healthy body, obviously the way that you experience some of those things, you're either in the wrong state, and by state I don't mean Victoria or Ohio. (laughs) I mean the physical state of being, whether you're in a positive state or a negative state or a self-sacrificing state or a self-empowered state, whatever it might be. We need to work on changing your state. And we can do that with breath work. We can do it with meditation and hypnosis as well. You know, we can do it with lots of different tools and resources. You can do it with 10 push-ups, right? So there's lots of ways that you can do it. 
the takeaway that I want you to have from this is that there are a lot of things that are in, embedded and entrenched into our society from a community standard and an environment standard that actually mean that behavior change is really hard. It's really difficult. And you've been exposed to that stuff your entire life. So those, it's deeply entrenched into your mind and belief systems and way of being. And the standard you've created for yourself is influenced by these things. And so it's much easier to, to walk outside and be like, ah, oh, we're all in this shithole together. You know, so you just give up every single day, right? You have to not only work on yourself, work on the desire, work on the knowledge and the systems of implementation beyond that, but you also need to start changing your environment and getting the people in your house on board with changing that environment and then your community. And you might be the person in your community that needs to be the leader. If you've tried to do that many times before and failed, then you might need to accept that you aren't that person in your community and therefore you need to go and find a community of people to join so that you can actually be understood, supported, and have a group of people that recognize your value and what you're adding to the community. So behavior change is tricky and it's something that humans are constantly perplexed by and coaches help people with and researchers continue to try and find an easier way. But the infrastructure of the system needs to change. And we do that first by changing you because we can wait forever until the infrastructure of the, the, the systems changes, the farming models, the logistics models, the supermarket designs, the architecture. But right now, the reality is that those things profit big business and big business doesn't need us to be healthy in order to make lots of money. So we need to start by empowering you to change your own environment and as a member of the community, have positive influence. And then it will cascade down into everybody's lives that you're connected to. And slowly, slowly, society will get healthier. Slowly. <laughs> if you've enjoyed this episode, then please share it. Give us five stars, all of that kind of stuff. If you take a screenshot and pop it up in social media, that's super helpful to get other people over here listening to what we're talking about. And yeah, we'd love to hear from you. And again, if you would like to join any of our programs, specifically on emotional eating, binge eating, overeating, sugar addiction, that kind of stuff, and the supporting nutrition along with that to help your gut health and management of blood sugar and pre-diabetic stuff and all of that kind of jazz. If any of that, the words I just said relate to you, then please scroll to the show notes below and join us. And otherwise, I'll see you on the next episode. Hey, thanks for listening to the show. If you enjoyed this episode or learned anything at all, the gift of your five-star rating would be incredibly helpful. And what's even more powerful is if you write a review. You can do it below each episode on Spotify every time an episode comes out. And inside Apple Podcast, simply find the main page of this show with all the episodes on it, scroll to the bottom, hit write a review, share your amazing feedback, and then hit send. It helps this show grow tremendously and allows me to successfully invite bigger and more famous guests each time we do the show. Thank you, thank you, thank you for helping us climb the charts, climb the algorithm and help more people. Oh, and by the way, I have a short disclaimer as well. I just wanted to quickly remind you that the information provided on this podcast is for general informational purposes only. While we strive to bring you accurate and up-to-date content, it's important to note that a lot of this is mixed with opinions, stories, and ideas not supported by mainstream science or medicine. Any advice or suggestions should not be considered a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always consult a healthcare provider before making any decisions about the health and wellness of you and your family. Remember too that what works for one person may not work for another. And just as we promote on the show, each person is responsible for their own health decisions. Thank you for tuning in to the How to Not Get Sick and Die podcast. And now, the next episode. Here it is. Here it is.